We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another episode of the Hook'em Hoops podcast brought to you guys by the Field of 68. My name is Jason Kanander, joined by my co-host Tommy Yarish. Tommy, Texas took the fourth-ranked Houston Cougars down to the wire last night, ended up falling short in overtime, but there's a whole lot to take away from the game. The Longhorns now have lost their second game in a row, but there's a lot of good in this game as well. Let's hear some of your thoughts, initial thoughts on the game against Houston. Yeah, Jason, I think uh, it's a positive showing for Texas. There's no there's no moral victories around here. We've touched about that. We touched on that a lot this year, but you can take you can definitely take some good things away from it. Um, to be honest with you, Jason, I thought at halftime this game was completely over. I thought that Houston was just out physically uh, out. And that's not even a word. They were just playing much more physical than Texas was. Um, you know, when you look at Texas's box score at the half, Jason, I'm going to read you this and you just try not to. Try not to cringe as, as you listen to this. Brock Cunningham leads the team in scoring alongside Max Asmus with five points. From then, Dylan Mitchell, four points. Caden Chedrick, four points. IT Horton, three points. Dylan Asu, two points. Tyrese Hunter, two points. So nobody has more than, I think, two buckets on the entire team. And Max Asmus and Dylan Asu have combined for seven points. That's, that's just not a good sign. Like if Brock Cunningham is a top your box score as a leading scorer at the end of the first half against the number four team in the country and the number one Ken Palm team, you're 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 not playing good at all. Um, so to come out the way they did in the second half and play a lot more physical, I thought they were much better on defense. I think says a lot about you know what this team is is actually capable of and what Rodney Terry is capable of as a coach. I know that Kelvin Sampson had a lot of praise for for Coach Terry in the post game press conference, and I think rightfully so. I think this was a good showing from Rodney Terry to show that he can hang with some of the best teams in the country, even with you know some some troubles on the roster, but. Uh, you know, I think, Jason, the two things, and I, I'm sure you'll touch on these two, that I think ended up hurting Texas the most, two moments from this game stuck out. The quick 9-0 run that Houston went on on three straight possessions when Texas was up by six, then all of a sudden they're down by three, just like that. I think Jamal Shedd had two threes. And then Tyrese Hunter doing what you tell all guards not to do, and that is jump with the ball in your hands looking to pass. He did that with 31 seconds left in the ha- in the second half in a tie game. That's just a wasted possession where Texas could have gotten a shot up, and if that goes in, Houston 
you know, has less than 10 seconds to come the other way. I think Kelvin Sampson might've had one timeout left, but they still have, you know, a limited amount of time to bring the ball up the floor and try to tie the game or, or win the game. So those two moments specifically stick out the most to me as to why Texas lost this game. But I mean, all around just a, a really good game and Houston is an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. I think that Texas actually did a pretty good job in the second half and over time of answering some of the punches. Like you mentioned, when they were up six and then quickly let that lead slip away. I thought the Houston was going to end up running away with the game there. I thought Houston was going to end up running away with the game at halftime. And so this was Rodney Terry's best coach game of the year. Some of the adjustments that he made specifically taking Tyrese Hunter off of Jamal shed and putting Kendall Weaver on shed towards the end of the second half. Had Terry done that earlier, maybe the game has a different outcome. Jamal shed let all scores 25 points last night. And, you know, I think the Tyrese Hunter's defense at times this year has been lacking. He's somebody who is usually tasked with guarding the team's best opposing scorer, at least at the guard position. And more often than not in conference play, Tyrese Hunter has struggled when tasked with, you know, taking on a big time scoring guard, whether it be Joe Toussaint of Texas Tech, Jalen Sellers of UCF, and then now last night, Shed of Houston. But, you know, Texas did a good job of answering the punches in that second half. The defense was incredibly strong from Texas. They wanted the game more than Houston. And for a Texas team that has been played, you know, they haven't played physical, they haven't played a physical brand of basketball this year. They haven't responded well to adversity in the first half. In the second half, you know, they never looked in rhythm in that BYU game on Saturday. But they almost ended up pulling this one out. And so even though Texas fell short on Monday night, they still rose one spot in the net rankings. They are now net 40 where two and a half weeks ago they were outside of the top 60 in the net rankings. And so Texas, by all the metrics, is improving. I think that Rodney Terry and the coaching staff is getting there. I think that they know what they have and where they want to play what they have. And now it's just a matter of those players succeeding to the highest level in their role. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think yesterday was a great game for for the Kendall Weaver hive that that we've kind of assembled. There's there's a <laughs> lot of fans out there of Kendall Weaver. I mean, rightfully so. What you, you look at his performance last night and you know, Kelvin Sampson after the game in his post-game press conference said that Kendall Weaver was their best defensive guard. And he's not wrong. He's not even close to being wrong because you look at Kendall Weaver down the stretch, put it on Jamal Shedd, friend of the program, Fran Fraschilla said on the broadcast that, you know, Jamal Shedd was so hot that you just got to completely not let him touch the ball. 
And Kendall Weaver comes out and plays textbook deny defense to just completely shut him out of the game. And that's what ended up, I think, being a huge part of why Texas stuck around and why Houston didn't run away with it, because Shad was putting on a clinic. I mean, the shooting numbers might not reflect it, but when they needed a bucket, he was the guy they turned to. And more often than not, the shot was falling for Shed all night. So Kendall Weaver was fantastic defensively. And I think, Jason, I'm curious as to your, I think this was one of the better games that we've seen Dylan Mitchell play in a Texas uniform. He was huge, at, especially at the start of the second half. Ends up having a really quality double-double with 16 points and 10 boards. Um, and, you know, when you look at this game, too, I think the story of it is Texas is out-rebounded 47-36, and Houston scores 19 second-chance points to Texas's eight. So, you know, good rebounds numbers from, from Mitchell, but it just shows that you got to be more physical on the glass. There were a lot of a lot of wasted uh, wasted rebounds fairly that, you know, Texas has two, three, even four guys in the paint. And someone like Joseph Tugler, who I thought had a fantastic game for Houston, uh, comes in and just tips it out or finds a way to to get his paws on it. I think one of the critiques that I had for Dylan DeSue last night was he was just too soft trying to to rebound the ball. I think he he didn't go up strong enough when he when he held on and let the ball slip away from him a couple of times. So um still some really quality performances from 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 Weaver and Mitchell, I think. And then Dazoo comes out and plays pretty well too. Dazoo and Ace was combined for for 27 in the second half after starting off with seven points in the first half. So they responded really well, but it just shows that there there's levels to it. And Texas just isn't isn't at every level just yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I thought last night was Dylan Mitchell's best game as a Longhorn, and he continues to step up in some of the biggest stages. I think about last year's Gonzaga game at the Moody Center when Dylan Mitchell had three dunks, electrifying dunks on four possessions. You know, this wasn't the same type of game where he was having explosive plays. He did have a few explosive plays, but he had a productive, efficient night on the glass, inside. He's starting to unlock his offensive package, which is exciting to watch. And you wonder if he stays another year or even two, the type of player that he can become at Texas. Now, as for them getting out-rebounded, I agree. It's a lack of physicality, and that's sort of what happens when your two big guys deal with injuries that, you know, are very less than ideal for big guys. You have... Hayden Shedrick, who has been dealing with lingering back problems throughout the year, and Dylan DeSue, who is on the shelf for almost nine months from a foot injury. And so those guys are playing gingerly, whether they want to admit it or not. And so you need the physical, the physical rebounding of Dylan Mitchell, of Kendall Weaver, and honestly of Brock Cunningham. And that was one of the issues last night was Brock Cunningham just wasn't giving Texas good minutes. And you need him on the court as one of your most physical, if not your absolute most physical defender. And he still did a fine job defensively. It's just he is sort of unplayable at times offensively. And when you have Shedrick and Cunningham and Weaver on the court at the same time, it's kind of difficult to make things happen offensively. And so those are three of Texas's best defenders, probably Texas's three most physical defenders, not counting Dylan Mitchell right there. And so the lineup issues are still being worked through by Rodney Terry. I thought this was a good night for Dylan to sue. He had a hard time getting some of his shots going. The interior pressure from Houston's defense was incredible. Joseph Tugler had a great night. Javier Francis also had a good night. Juwan Roberts. It wasn't even the rebounding numbers for those guys. They did an excellent job of boxing out. There were countless times where the ball would just get, you know, the Houston bigs would, would box out down low and the rebound would get out to the, to the top of the key or to the three point line to one of Houston's guards because Tugler and Francis were doing such a good job of boxing out 
play more physical than Texas's big guys. And so, you know, that can't happen in a big game at home. Fran Fristilla kept saying on air in the first half that Texas needs to want this one more. And they did in the second half, but it was too little too late. And they also got outplayed a little bit there in overtime. So in conclusion, from my thoughts on the game, you know, Texas surprised me. I thought that after what I saw in that BYU game, this was not going to be a good matchup for Texas. Defensively, the guard play was fine. Max Asmus did a great job on LJ Cryer. I think people need to start giving Asmus a little bit more credit defensively because he was expected to be a liability this year, and he's held his own at times. So he deserves a little bit of praise there. But overall, Texas played you know, some of the best basketball that they could have played. They shot 30% from three. They shot 70% from the line. You'd like to see him shoot a little bit better from the field, but, you know, you put up 72 points against Houston, you, you're going to win half the time, and this time they just didn't win um, against a team that just wanted it a little more, played a little bit more physical. It's a good lesson learned because now we know that this Texas team can run with literally the top team in the conference. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Jason. I mean, this is a Houston team that I think is a bona fide national championship contender with their brand of basketball. Fran was saying on the broadcast that they just pump out big physical, you know, rebounders down low, big guys down low who just play the game their way. And he does, they do it so well that it, it's hard to stop really for any team. And Texas uh, not being as physical of a team in general really, I think, hurts them here. Uh, but maybe this is a lesson learned that, you know, they have to be more physical. And if they can tap into that and play a little bit more like they did in the second half of that Houston game, then this could end up being a really good team with some really positive games down the stretch. The only thing is, you know, they're they're trying to build a tournament resume. And when you look at it right now, they're three and five in quad one games, I think one and one and two and three, and then undefeated in quad four. Jason, looking ahead, They've got six quad one games out of their last 10 coming up. <laughs> Five of those are on the road. I mean, it's just, it, it it's absolutely brutal. Like you've still got Kansas. You're going to Baylor. I'm trying to think of the others right now, but you go, to Houston, you go to Houston again. Like you have to, that's not the last time they play Houston. They have to see them again on their own home court. I mean, it, it is a really brutal stretch and Texas is not out of the picture. I don't think yet, but I don't know, man. It's it's not looking good. I don't think the Longhorns have played their best basketball on the road, and I don't know if they can play five really good games on the road to be able to pull out, you know, I don't know how many you think they would need to win. Maybe I think right we're sitting right around that two, three range right now. And if it's two, I think it would have to be a convincing two because you still got three losses there. But um I, just like Texas, I'm kind of on the bubble right now on on whether or not I think they're gonna they're gonna be a tournament team or not, and I might be slipping to the other side where it says they're not going to be. Jason,
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Tommy, people are going to panic if they take a look at the Big 12 conference standings. I mean, Texas is in sole possession of last place at three and five. Yet the metrics still say that this is a tournament team. Texas is ranked 40 by the net ratings, and they're ranked, let's see, 35 by Ken Palm. And so by those numbers, if the season were to end today, which we know it doesn't, but if the season were to end today, Texas would be one of the last teams in the field. And ESPN's Joe Lenardi, the world-renowned bracketologist, right now, this morning, has Texas as his eighth-to-last team in the field. So you mentioned those quad one games. They have 10 regular season games remaining, six are quad one games. If Texas splits those quad one games, even splits the regular season games, this team is in the tournament. For me, it's more about getting healthy, finding the lineups that work, and making sure that your veteran players, Acemas, DeSue, Weaver, and Hunter, are playing their best basketball down the stretch. Because we've seen these past couple of years in March, if you have a team that's built for the moment with guys who have been there before, it doesn't matter what happened in January, February, even those first couple of weeks of March. Once you get into the big dance, as long as you're in, you have a chance to win. And so I can't call off this Texas team yet. There's still more to be seen, so much more basketball to be played. And last night was a step in the right direction, without a doubt. Yeah, I would agree. I'm just saying, you know, five – Five away games in those in those quad one games. I uh, that that's that's what stands out to me, right? I think that's that's just an absolutely brutal brutal stretch. And we talked about how brutal this stretch was for Texas playing six ranked teams in a row. You know, you've got your your TCU Horn Frogs up up next. So that's that's going to be a really good game up in Fort Worth, I think. Um, and we'll, I know we'll touch on that here in a minute. But man. It just, it just, you, you're completely right in that last night was a step in the right direction for Texas, but there are a lot of steps left to be taken for this team, I think. And, you know, you, I think you do have to tip your cap to, to Rodney Terry, because a lot of people mm-hmm. have been questioning whether or not he's the guy, which I think is ridiculous to do in, in year one in, a, in the Big 12 conference when he's won games against good teams and he's hung around with teams like you. I think it's just completely ludicrous that after what he's shown so far, people somehow think that another coach would would somehow solve the problem in their first season. Like nobody, it, nobody next season 
could replace Rodney Terry and just completely like turn this team into a final four contender. No one's going to do that, Jason. And, so, and you know what? They're not going to, they're not going to be, they're not going to be um, willing to rebuild the roster with the new staff and with the new head coach. Like the whole point of recruiting a three, maybe even four man uh, class of 2024 is so that Texas can actually develop some guys and have some three, four year players. And I just don't think that, you know, Rodney Terry would be one thing, if this team was like a mile out of the tournament field, but they're just not like they're playing high competition. They lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have lost. But I think right now they're probably playing the level of basketball that we expected. Like, did we expect that they were going to be Houston before the season? No, we, we oh. didn't expect they were going to, I, I don't expect them to beat Houston the next time they play them. The fact that it was a four point game last night, the way that Texas got out rebounded and got outscored on second chance points. If I looked at those two numbers alone, I would have told you that Houston won this game by 15 points. Like that, that's, that's how good Houston has been. And that's how much I think of how Texas matched up with Houston going into the game, you know, down eight and a half, which very easily could have been 10, if not for a last second, you know, two points there you would have thought that the Cougars just kept kept rolling the way that Jamal Shedd was playing, the way that they were playing physically on the interior. It, it just didn't seem plausible, but Texas comes out and they respond and they rolled with the punches the entire game. It is very hard in a game of runs that, that basketball is to hang around after every run. Houston went on several of them. Texas went on several of them. And both teams just kind of hung in there with each other and it ended up being... Houston, who got the best in overtime, which you could tell, Jason, in overtime, that everybody there was just absolutely floored. I mean, they were just exhausted. Like, yeah. I, I think I think you and I could have had could have brought more energy to the court than those guys after after that stretch. But um, and speaking of that kind of last stretch, Jason, I was curious for your thoughts as to this. We talked about lineups so far on the pod. I thought that the closing lineup that Rodney Terry had of Max Asmus, Tyrese Hunter, Kendall Weaver, Dylan Mitchell and Dylan DeSue is a great five. I don't think I don't I'm not saying that should be a starting group. I think IT Horton still for now he, he might be pushing it, but for now you you keep him in there. Um but I I really like that five, Jason, and I think eventually maybe if Horton continues to struggle, that could be your starting five for Texas. Yeah, I, I think that that could definitely be the starting five. I like how Rodney Terry's playing his best lineup at the end of the game. I mean, I don't think that you necessarily have to play your best five as the starters, especially because this is a pretty shallow, thin Texas team. You know, you need someone to score off the bench. Like, Kendall Weaver's been putting up good numbers off the bench. That's a boost for Texas, and I think that they like what they're seeing from him as the sixth man. I would, you know, look at him as, as the favorite to be starting a point guard next year alongside Trey Johnson, the the fourth – fifth rated recruit um, in the country. But I like what, what RT did with the lineup. See adjustments, especially, you know, he kind of had to play Shedrick out of necessity down the stretch with DeSue playing with four fouls, but it worked out well. Shedrick played good defense. And even though he generally got outbodied on the glass last night, you know, he was making an impact and, and he generated stops for Texas in the, the last two minutes of regulation. Like that was huge. That was really, really big. And so if Rodney Terry is going to be able to do that, where he kind of interchanges guys for, you know, a couple of minutes, makes these constant substitutions, maybe that is the move for Texas instead of, you know, these platoon type lineups where one to two guys on the court at all times can't really shoot the ball. It's just, you know, against a team like Houston, where only one guy, if at all, is going to be open in your 32nd possession, you know, you, you want all five guys to be able to score it. I think that that's what that lineup 
presents to you with the exception of Dylan Mitchell, but Dylan was just making too big of an, e- of an impact on the glass on both sides to have taken him out of the game. So with that said, we'll pivot a little bit, touch briefly upon this Texas TCU game. Tommy, you know I'm very excited for this one. Battle between Texas and the 25th-ranked Horned Frogs at Schulmeyer Arena in Fort Worth at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And so this should be a good test for Texas against the most veteran team in the conference. This is a TCU team that has made literally all of transfers, most of which are fourth, fifth, even sixth-year guys. And this is also a TCU team that is very deep. They find different outlets of scoring every single night. Sometimes it's Emmanuel Miller. Last week in the three-overtime game against Baylor, it was Jameer Nelson Jr. Other times it's been Travion Tennyson. Tommy, Texas is going to need to replicate last night's defensive performance against Houston if they're going to want to stick in this game because TCU just has too many scoring options, and Texas doesn't have enough scoring options. They're going to need Aismith and DeSue to have characteristic games in order to run with TCU, and then they're going to need that third push from either Weaver, Mitchell, or Hunter in order to put themselves over the bump against TCU because this is a very talented Horned Frog squad, Tommy. I'm really interested to hear Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thoughts on this game? Yeah, it should be a really good Canander Bowl, Jason. I think the TCU, <laughs> I, I've been right with you there the whole season that I like this TCU team a lot. I think they hammered the transfer portal very well. Uh, Emmanuel Miller obviously stands out the most, but I really like what Jameer Nelson Jr. has done for them on defense, averaging 2.4 steals a night. Um, one of the better guards, I would say, that isn't talked about in, in the Big 12 conference. You know, it doesn't give you as much scoring prowess as, as a guy like Max Asmus, I would say. But like you mentioned, when when they need him to kind of on that that rotating door, revolving door of scorers for TCU, he he has stepped up. You know, that game against Baylor was was big for him. And then uh, Micah Peavy, too, is a guy that I've really liked since his days at Duncanville. Um uh, high school and you know he gives you 11 an 11 and 9 five rebounds 2.8 assists and 1.3 steals that's the thing jason the top three scores for tcu all averaging at least a steal a game i think that's very important and you know texas has done a, a fairly good job i would say as of late preventing the turnovers that was kind of an early season problem that the longhorns were having and they've toned back on that a little bit only 10 last night against houston so gonna have to limit that and play another fairly sound game of basketball in the, in the turnover perspective if they want to hang around with TCU who can really light it up you know the the three point percentages for for TCU guys like Jameer Nelson and PV both under 25% so not as great but you still have guys like Miller who are who are knocking on the door of 40% and uh, Travian Thompson who you talked about a little Tennyson excuse me 46% from the arc so uh, we talked about how that is a weakness for the Longhorns, and we saw how many open looks Houston got last night for three that they weren't able to connect on, which that's a whole different conversation if LJ Cryer found his shot last night. But, um, yeah, like you mentioned, dude, should be should be a really good game, and uh, it doesn't get easier for Texas. It doesn't get easier. They have a long break until Saturday, but it does not get any easier. So TCU is going to get arrested, Texas team, but still should be a lot of fun. My last note for now on that TCU game, I think that Texas will appreciate the familiarity of playing against a known conference opponent. 
they've struggled against the new Big 12 teams this year. They lost to BYU, UCF, and Houston now, and they took Cincinnati down to the buzzer. And so Texas will appreciate playing a team that they played last year with some players who they're used to game planning for. And with that said, this is a Texas team that has won nine of the last 11 matchups against TCU. And the two matchups that they didn't win were decided by a total of seven points. And so Texas has dominated the recent history in this series. So even though it's a good TCU team, the metrics favor them. They're top 30 in net, top 25 in Ken Palm. You know, Texas can, can, can get this one on the road because – I think that they're getting their guys who were supposed to contribute this year are playing their best basketball. Max A. Smith is becoming is becoming a given 20 points per night, which is important for Texas. He is playing firmly at an all Big 12 level. Dylan DeSue seems fully healthy. He's nearly a double double per night, as is Dylan Mitchell. And so if Texas can get those performances night in and night out, you're going to beat a team like TCU eventually because TCU, as good as they are, they play up to their highest levels of competition, but they've also lost some games that they shouldn't lose this year. And I think that this is a game that can be filed into that category. And so that's really all I have on this game for now. I'm curious if you have any last thoughts on that matchup against the Horned Frogs or any other general Big 12 things that you want to talk about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply before we get out of here well i i think if we're gonna do you know predictions like we usually do this is actually a game where i where i see texas winning um and and i i would keep it right around that five to seven range for the longhorns just because i think the 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 time that they have between now and saturday is is really big to just kind of you know, it's not, not necessarily enough time to get healthy, fully healthy, I would say. But we saw Caden Shedrick get banged up last night. You know, those guys are out there for an overtime game against one of the most physical teams in the country, if not the most physical team in the country in Houston. So having some time to, you know, watch the film, recover, relax a little bit before you head to Fort Worth on Saturday is really big for Texas. And I think TCU, they take on Texas Tech tonight uh, at home. That's another really physical team. That's going to be a tough challenge for for the Horned Frogs. Grant McCaslin's got the Red Raiders rolling, so that's not an easy game. And like you mentioned, Jason, the recent success with TCU for Texas, I think, is really big in this. And I, I think Texas responds and, and bounces back with a big win on the road in Fort Worth on Saturday. I second that. I've got Texas in this one, too. I think that given the recent history – between these two teams, Texas is going to feel good coming into Fort Worth. And this is a good matchup for Texas, even though TCU has many different outlets to score the ball. Their guard play isn't necessarily dynamic. And I don't foresee Texas's guards, Aismas, Hunter, Weaver, struggling defensively with these TCU guards. I think that they'll be able to keep them contained and really keep the game played in the paint. And if that's how this game's going to be played, Texas has a major advantage, especially if DeSue and Shedrick are able to stay on the court. So I'm going to make it two for two, and I'm going to predict that Texas will go into Fort Worth and get a good get-back win against a ranked TCU Horn Frog squad. That'll do it for us today on the Hook'em Hoops podcast. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Tommy, we'll be back pretty soon to wrap up 
this Texas and TCU game after the weekend. But until then, stay warm or stay cool. It's been beautiful in Austin. I'm so it's used so to hot staying. out here, man. It's yeah, it's cold like, out. We, yeah. Went through, we went through that one week of freezing, and now we're good. Yeah, I, I mean, how I wore shorts to class yesterday, so <laughs> I can't can't complain about anything. But uh, always great to talk to you. Always great uh, to talk a little Texas basketball to our viewers at home. Have a good one. We'll be back with you soon.